Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. All right, well, tonight we're going to get into something that's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be really powerful. And uh, we have a whole spectrum of people here tonight. We have young adults, singles. We have married couples, we have people that are already kind of moving towards marriage. We have a lot of different, we have a lot, and we have people that have been married for years, newlyweds, married for centuries, I'm just teasing, decades. I'm about to hit 25 here in February, so Pastor Rose and I will be 25 years in February. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, uh, what I'm going to share tonight is really talking about how to find the one really about the four phases of godly relationships that leads to marriage. So I call it godly relationships. I call finding the one, uh, Mr. Right, you know, not to find Mr. Wrong, not to end up with, you know, Mrs. Wrong, Miss Wrong, Miss Right. But there's a lot of things I'm going to cover. And even if you're married, I really believe you're going to get a lot of this out of this tonight because it's going to really help you. And, you know, and for some of you, hey, for some of you, and I don't want this to come across in any way to... Uh, I don't feel any condemnation because you're going to find that you made a lot of mistakes when I covered this stuff. Like, oh, my God. You know, it's like, what was I thinking? You know, and, and look, it's the same for everybody. I mean, even I say now, man, if I, if I knew then what I know now, oh, come on. Who's ever been there? Yeah, so it's okay. It's okay. Don't, be this, don't let this be a condemnation. Let it be a conviction. Learn from it. Uh, grow from it, you know, and come and seek help if that's what... You know, and I don't know how the Holy Ghost is going to lead at the end. I might end up praying for people. I kind of already feel what I might be praying for people over, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But I believe this is going to be crucial and very beneficial to everybody. And I wanted to get this in recording. Here's the reason why. I've taught this a couple of times here at River West Palm Beach, but somehow we never recorded it. We don't have a recording of it. And so uh, a few people like here, Josh W. and then Benny, you know, um, I sent you guys a recording from about seven years ago that I did at, a, at our young adults group in Istanbul, Turkey. I'm, I was sharing in English with a Turkish translation. And so, I mean, that, that's been, you know, on our SoundCloud library at the church for many, many years. And, you know, many people have listened to it and benefited from it. But I, I felt, you know, I need to do this teaching just straight up in English. We have it recorded here. We have it kind of a, you know, a, 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 you know up-to-date version of it, whatever that... We can, I can share with people because every month somebody comes to me, Pastor, talk to me. I mean, what do I do? You know, you know how do I pursue a, a relationship in a godly way that will lead me into a godly marriage that's going to be on a good foundation? How do I pursue this? What do I do? You know, what's the right thing to do? Because unfortunately, what we deal with in the world is what the world is portraying for us is this whole dating Dating world, dating situation, and everything's all about hormones, emotions, and the flesh. And mainly, even what you look, look at today in so-called romantic movies is nothing but flesh and just jumping into bed. So that's what the world is trying to, to um, you know, communicate, trying to really honestly, uh, in a demonic way, indoctrinate people. And, just, and that's what most people model their relationships after what they see in the world. But... There's a godly way to pursue a relationship. There's a godly way to do everything. And I want us to explore that tonight. 
And I believe this is going to really benefit a lot of people. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, once again, I thank you that you will customize this message to the ears of every hearer here that is tonight and anybody that's going to listen to this recording and everybody that needs to hear what you want to speak to them, whether they're singles, young adults, whether they're divorced, whether they're already married or pursuing a relationship, whatever it is, everyone has something they can receive from tonight. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you will speak to them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So let me begin by saying this. Passion is important. You can't live a life without passion. Passion is important. God gave us the ability to have passion. But what we need to understand that passion must be directed and channeled in a godly way. Because the enemy wants to usurp everything that God's created. You know that. Including sexuality. And then of course he will take it. He'll corrupt it. He'll twist it. And he'll use it in a destructive way. And same thing goes with passion. I mean, passion is important, but you got soccer fans in my country that kill people over a soccer game because of their passionate, you know, whatever. So, I mean, passion is important in every area of life. You cannot live life without passion. You can't really accomplish or do anything without passion. God gave us the ability to have passion, but that passion has to be channeled in a godly way. And so when we're exploring about relationships, godly relationships, we're going to talk about the place of passion and especially about finding the one that you're going to end up marrying and of course we believe biblically speaking the one is for the rest of your life you're committed into a lifelong relationship till death do us apart amen so um how is it that you're going to find the one that you're going to spend the rest the rest of your life with you know and what is the right way the godly way to pursue that relationship that is also going to, because you have to understand, your marriage doesn't begin the day you say, I do. That process, that relationship begins the day you, you actually end up meeting. So sometimes there's months, years prior to marriage of investment and of seeds that are sown. So you want to make sure that you sow the right seeds, because if you sow the wrong seeds, guess what? One way or another, something, a harvest is going to come. So you want to make sure that everything's done in the right way, so you're building on a proper foundation, right? And, and especially if you're going to build the rest of your lives, and we're talking about a lifelong commitment of many, many, many years. If you're a very young person, it could be, till, you know, if Jesus would tarry, it could be 50, 60 years of marriage. You know, my parents just celebrated uh, 53 years last month. And I'm turning 52 next week. So, you know, uh, I mean, 53 years, my parents, they're in Turkey right now, man. I mean, they're preaching the gospel. I mean, and I'm, I'm pulling in. I've been double, double shift. This week, every morning has been 4 a.m. till noon for me working with Turkey and from noon till evening working here. So I've been double shifting this week, but we're getting ready to open the new sanctuary there for Sunday. So big things are happening and, and it's crunch time. You know, you know how that is, you know. So... And we're finding things, you know, oh, oh my God, we overlooked that one. And, okay, you know, let's get through Sunday. We'll work on it Monday kind of thing. But anyways, but I want to talk to you about the four phases of, relation, of a relationship, a godly relationship that will lead to a godly marriage. Uh, and I'll name the four and I will expound on and define all four. And we'll, we'll talk through these things as we go along. The first phase is a godly friendship. A godly friendship. Of course, every relationship uh, begins with a friendship. You know, every marriage should begin with two people just becoming eventually and in the beginning friends. But godly friends. Every relationship starts this way. 
okay? Uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't end up being enemies at the end. Sometimes it does, and that's not what we want to have. But if things are handled the right way, even, let me tell you, even if you do get into a relationship where you might be pursuing something more than a godly friendship, you want to do things right so that you have a back door to get out without being hurt or without really messing up your life and the other person's life because then there's always consequences. So we want to avoid that as well. But I, I believe tonight maybe some healing is going to take place as well. Second phase is intimate godly friendship. Intimate godly friendship. This is a, let me define it, a non-romantic but close and intimate friendship. A non-romantic. We're not talking about romance here. We're just talking about, you know, uh, two people that are drawing closer together. I mean, and, and, and again, and this, this doesn't mean it has to be a... a a man or a woman you can have intimate godly friendship between two men or two women what does that mean i mean they're just close friends you have a lot of friends but then you have those really close friends right ones you can call and talk about more personal things that you wouldn't talk to a regular friend about so again i'm not talking about this doesn't necessarily and i'm not talking about homosexual relationships when i say two men i mean or two women i'm talking about just a godly close relationship where there's a more intimacy involved intimacy of course means there's more sharing involved. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I mean, look at Jonathan, uh, David and Jonathan. You know, of course, people in the, you know, the wicked people want to take that and they want to turn that and David and Jonathan had a homosexual relationship. No, they didn't. They have a godly covenantial relationship where they watched each other's backs. They were loyal. They would take a bullet for each other. Um, that's the kind of friendship that I'm talking about. Okay, and we'll expound on that. And the third phase is courtship. Courtship, godly courtship. I'll explain that. Okay, this is again godly, again non physical. The key always is non physical. The moment you get physical, you see your spirit, soul, and body. So a godly relationship has to begin in the spirit, and then it leads to a more intimate relationship where the soul of the persons are now shared. But the final, and that's at the at, at your wedding is the physical part when the two shall become one flesh. The world is working backwards. Flesh, and then they're trying to get the soul and the spirit right, and it's all a mess because you can't, whatever Bible says, if you sow into the flesh, from the flesh you will reap corruption. If you sow into the spirit, from the spirit you will leap, reap life. So I'm talking about, that's why the key word there is godly because people in the world have friendships. I'm talking about godly friendship, things that are centered around the things of God, biblical, godly holy pure you know uh, not worldly but based on the word of god okay again this courtship is a godly non-physical relationship designed to lead to marriage because at the time when two people get into a courtship they're starting to seriously consider marriage that this person is marriage material he could be the one she could be the one and we're going to pursue this further which if if it is not handled the right way and if the Lord's involved will lead to engagement. That's step four or phase four is engagement, which of course will lead to marriage. Engage basically means we're getting married, you know, and, and I really want to emphasize this. There should not be a back door to engagement. Obviously, you can still get out, but there should not be a back door to engagement because once you're engaged, you break it up. It's almost like a divorce. You, you don't want to go that far. 
you want to handle everything prior to engagement. Because engagement basically is like saying, okay, we are getting married. There's a ring involved and you're announcing it. Everybody knows it. Now you're basically preparing and planning for your wedding and your life together for the rest of your life. So you, got, you want to make sure that that's why it's very important that you take your time in the previous steps leading to engagement. You don't want to rush anything. You don't want to rush it. You don't want to force it. If you have to force it, it's not God. It's flesh. Flesh has to force things. Holy Ghost just leads it, guides it. There's a peace and there's just a, a leading and there's a confirmation. I'm going to talk about all of these things, okay? Is this good so far? Is this, might already be helping some people. All right. Well, of course, hey, it's Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Amen. And, and, and so, and obviously God desires for us, unless you have that special calling, you know, that you're going to be single for the rest of your life, maybe a special grace. And there's a few people like that I've met throughout life, but most people, I would say 99% percent, they're going to get married and they need to be married. They need to have a mate. They need to have a godly mate you know, that they become one flesh with, you know, and that's important. And if you are looking for one and you're going to find a, a husband or a wife, there's no pl better place to find one, your future spouse, than in church. Amen. Because the Bible also says not to be yoked together with unbelievers. So you don't want to be evenly, unevenly yoked. There's, it's absolutely, and I'll make that clear, it's absolutely unbiblical for a born-again Christian to marry a non-born-again person. That is not biblical whatsoever. That should never happen. Missionary dating, missionary marriages are deceptive. I'll marry him and get him saved. No, you won't. I'll marry her and change her. No, you won't. You can't change anybody. The only one you need to focus on is yourself. Okay. So we're going to find out about what the Word says tonight. We're going to look at things from a biblical perspective. What's a godly way to pursue a relationship? Okay, because relationships are things you pursue. They don't just happen. You have to pursue and build them. You have to work at them. So how do you pursue a godly relationship? And of course, we hear so many testimonies. I mean, I might have a chance to share my testimony a little bit tonight. And I mean, how the Lord, you know, put, put me together with Pastor Rose. I mean, um, just to give you a little glimpse, it was a Thursday morning, 1996, April 4th, about 8.35 in the morning. I was in my morning devotional prayer, and, I'm, and the number one subject on my prayer list, I had just arrived in Turkey less than two months, starting out in the ministry. I had arrived in February. Now, this is April, and um, I needed a place to stay. I was praying. The number one prayer need I had was, Lord, I need a place to stay. I need to rent something, rent an apartment or rent something furnished, and I'm going to be traveling a lot, so I'm not going to be there much. I don't need to spend much. I just need a place to put, put my head down when I'm in town, shower, you know. Probably not even going to eat much there, cook much there, but I just need a place. I was, that was what I was praying for. And the Lord spoke to me in an audible voice, said, you will meet your wife. And, and I was like, I am not even pursuing one. But you know what I was doing? I was pursuing the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and your wife shall be added unto you. And then later on, we met that Sunday, Easter Sunday, April 7th, 1996, the 11 a.m. service. In the church, the Protestant church, Evangelical Church of Ankara, Turkey, the only church in the city at the time. I arrived early because I had just found the church and I immediately started serving, getting involved. And it was her first time coming to church because she had been in a house church with Korean missionaries for over a year, a couple of years, and she was just 
just bugging them. I want to meet other Turkish Christians. I want to meet other Turkish. I guess they were being overly protective, as most Koreans would be, especially if they're kind of the religious kind. Um, they were being overly, and so they, you know, maybe they thought they were going to lose her or something. But it was Easter Sunday, so they finally relented and said, okay, we'll go to church together. And she got the address, and she arrived early. She was the first one there. The door wasn't even open because I was coming to open the door. And she was standing in front of the door in all of her glory and splendor. And I took one look at her and I knew. I knew in my heart. But that, does that mean we got married the next week? No. About almost two years later. So just, you know, about, yeah. One, you know, we got married at February 28th. We met right in the beginning of April. So you imagine. Just under two years. So there was a process involved, okay? Just because God speaks doesn't mean you boom. You go and do it the next week. And you can. You can go run down to the courthouse. You can do it. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be godly. You know, so, uh, and, and God can speak. And, and if God does speak, you still want to, if God initiates it, you got to let God lead it and God finalize it. And I've seen many people who were meant to be together. God really did speak, but they messed it up. And it ended up not happening. Because they got in the flesh. They, made, they rushed it. They did whatever they did. They screwed it all up. Strife came in. Flesh came in. Division came in. Uh, shame, guilt came in. Or a pregnancy came in. All kinds of stuff. You know, so you want to do things the right way. Even if God does speak, and this is the one that God's leading you to, you want to do it if, you know, let Jesus be the author and the finisher of the faith. Let him be the alpha and the omega, or the A and the Z. So don't, don't uh, screw things up in the middle. Amen. Don't get the S and screw it up. Okay, before Z, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, but uh, <laughs> so there's a godly way to pursue a relationship. You know, we hear so many testimonies, and it doesn't mean you're going to hear an audible voice. Does, it doesn't mean that there's going to be an angelic choir and a spotlight's going to fall on somebody. You're going to go da da da, and you know, this is the one, the one, the one, the one, the one. You know, it it doesn't have to be that way, but. It could be, but it cannot be. I mean, it, it, my, my life was totally different. My life, I was called to the ministry. I didn't have any, I wasn't pursuing anybody. I wasn't dating anybody. I wasn't looking for anything whatsoever, you know. So, but the Lord wanted to put us together. And of course, that Sunday we met, the Lord spoke to her as well. But, but then, you know, we had to still do things. We still had to get to know each other. Just because God speaks to you about somebody doesn't mean you know that you know anything about them. So... And you can't copy somebody else's testimony. So don't hear my testimony or somebody else's testimony in the church and think that it's going to happen that way. It may not. Because there's no formula to this, okay? But there are some important principles that we are to follow. Okay? There's no formula, but there are principles. Dating, as we find it in the Western culture, as it has been imposed upon us by, through movies music, you know, Western culture, whatever, is not in the Bible. Dating as the world presents it. You know, you go out on town, you're trying to hook up, see if, ask a girl out on a date and go date and go hang out. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. And even for Christians, Christian dating is not biblical. The alternative, the real way is courtship, which is what I'm going to define for you tonight. The difference between dating and courtship. And there are important differences, and I want to identify those so that you will understand what I'm talking about, okay? So don't get all religious on me and, 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 and weird on me. I mean, dating is not biblical. Well, we just went out on a date last night. Yeah, but you're in courtship. That's different, and I'm going to define that, what led to that. Okay. And unfortunately, because the church doesn't teach on these principles, these subjects, 
Many born-again Christians don't know what to do. And they just kind of follow, follow the pattern of the world in a sense. They kind of do what the movies do and other things do. And, or they hear from other Christians that have done how they did it. Um, so they don't know how to pursue. Again, I'm not talking about dating. They don't know how to pursue. The key word again is pursue. So somebody said pursue. That's what I'm talking Pursue a relationship with the opposite sex in a godly, healthy way that would lead to a godly marriage. That's the, the purpose of this discussion tonight, okay? So what do you do when you feel attracted to somebody? When the gift of attraction, it is a gift. And I'm talking about a godly gift. A gift of attraction is sparked in your spirit. Your born again spirit by the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about flaming the fires of the flesh. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit sparks the gift of attraction in your spirit to another person. And again, this could be, it does, and I'm not talking about a gift of attraction kicking in just so that it ends up in marriage. I've had, uh, you know, it could be two men together or two women together in just friendship. I mean, I know many ministers, but there's only a few that I have the, the gift of attraction, the connection, that I really want to be closer friends with them, that I can call up on the phone, we pray for each other. Do you understand? You, know, you, know, you understand what I'm talking about? So within a group of friends... There's all, all of a sudden the gift of attraction sort of kicks in for another person. And it could be another girl that you become a closer girlfriend, you know, become a friend, a godly friend, that you, like a confidant. You pray together. You get to know each other. You have many, many friends, but you have those other ones that are closer. So I'm talking about that. That's the gift of attraction I'm talking about that kind of kicks in. And it is something that the Spirit of God does. The Holy Spirit connects you with people, sometimes for kingdom purposes. And of course, it's always going to be for kingdom purposes, you know. So maybe you'll, you'll do ministry together. Maybe you'll do other things together. Or you'll be among another close group of friends, you know, that just have a passion for soul winning. And that gift of soul winning connects you. And you're just a, a team of soul winners. Or maybe uh, musicians. Maybe uh, kids ministry. Maybe youth ministry. Something. And there's also something that's going to be connected. Some common ground for kingdom purposes that the Holy Ghost is going to bring people together. Amen? You know, I mean, think about Barnabas and Paul were put together. And then Paul and Silas were put together. That is the gift of attraction, in a sense, God connecting people. All right? So what do you do when you feel the gift of attraction to somebody? If you follow pop culture, you're going to be in big trouble. Because, you know, like I said, even the so-called romantic movies, you know, it's really all about getting in bed. That's all you find. You know, all about emotions, all about the physical. And, and that's, that's a big problem. Okay? And tonight, I'm not trying to put a rigid law on you in any way. Because if God comes to you and speaks to you, everything changes. However, <laughs> the issue is many, a lot of Christians don't know how to hear the voice of God. Or they think they're hearing the voice of God, but they're hearing another voice. It's the voice of the flesh, or it's the voice of something else. It's another voice, so we got to understand that. Obviously, I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about if there are two mature believers, seasoned Christians who know how to hear the voice of God, who are living right, I mean, who've been living, pursuing the things of God for a, a time in their life, you know, they're just focused on the things of God. Um, there are no other voices like the flesh or emotions, you know, 
and then and these are two believers you know that really know what they're looking for i'm not talking maybe they're not young they're not in their early 20s they're they're not inexperienced in this they you know they have more life experience they're older they're more mature maybe they've been through some things and they just kind of know and know and then god can really do something quickly but that's kind of rare you know so for many you got to follow these steps and even if you do claim that you heard from god Ultimately, it should always be confirmed at the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every godly relationship is a submitted relationship. Number one, it's submitted to the Word of God. Number two, it's submitted to the Holy Ghost. Because if you do something in that relationship that's going to grieve the Holy Ghost, you're in trouble. And thirdly, it should be submitted to spiritual authority. Where you have a pastor and a spiritually mature person that can hold you accountable because godly relationships are accountable relationships they're holy they're pure and they're accountable and they're submitted they're holy they're pure they're accountable and they're submitted okay um especially when a lot of believers don't know how to hear the voice of god when we're talking about young people you know um not enough life experience a lot of hormones a lot of feelings a lot of social media not a lot of good role models coming from you know, dysfunctional families, broken relationships, broken marriages, you know. So a lot of people are big time behind the eight ball. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, a lot of people today, especially now in these days, are starting in a, in a big negative. And, and it's a big uphill climb for a lot of people. If they haven't had a good, godly, stable home where they grew up, there was love, affirmation, mom and dad were faithful to one another, loyal. They were raised in church. They know the word. They're on fire. You know, then, then obviously it's a different situation, but a lot of people are kind of behind trying to play catch up and especially understanding that about 80% of believers get saved before, you know, the age of 25 or 26. So you've got a lot of young people coming into the kingdom and they're just not experienced. They don't really know how to hear the voice of God. They don't have a good foundation. They haven't really been discipled in the word and now they want to pursue a relationship. A lot of mistakes happen. A lot of problems happen, so we want to avoid those things, right? Amen? Now, if you know how to hear the voice of God, great. You know? And then God can speak to you, boom, boom, the two people, and they can, you know, you know what you're looking for. Maybe you're older in age, whatever, you're, you know, and then God can really do a quick work, and that's fine. You know, we're not going to grieve the Holy Ghost if God's doing a quick work, but there's still no overnight marriage. In Las Vegas, maybe there is, but not in the kingdom of God. <laughs> Vegas, baby, right? No, we ain't talking about Vegas. We're talking about the kingdom of God. We're not talking about Sin City. <laughs> but you better still have someone that speaks into your life, even if you are two mature people that can hear the voice of God. You still should have someone that speaks into your life. You should, like I said, every godly relationship is a relationship that is submitted. Submitted to the authority of the Word of God, submitted to the authority of the Holy Spirit, and submitted to spiritual authority that will speak into your life and confirm some things. You all, I mean, this, this, we're talking about a big decision here. We're not talking about a decision to go buy a red shirt or a, a blue shirt. We're talking about marriage. This, we're talking about, you know, one of the most important decisions next to, the second most important decision you'll make in your life next to receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, and even more than answering your calling. Because if you marry the wrong person, you'll circumvent your calling. 
And I know people that have lost out on their calling because they married the wrong person. You know, so um, no marriage, no ministry. Healthy ministry comes out of a healthy marriage. You know, stable ministry comes out of a stable marriage. These are important things, okay? So I'm talking about stable individuals, mature, pursuing God. They know what's right and what's wrong. They know how to hear the voice of God. And, and, of course, God can do a quick work. But for the most part, everybody needs to submit to the process. Another part of submitting is submit to the process. Amen? Everyone say, submit to the process. Because God's going to take you through a process of preparation. Times of preparation are never wasted times. You don't want to ever not prepare, right? I mean, you know, even the, the best teams, they still go out and practice. Just because you were champions last year doesn't mean you're going to be champion this year. Sometimes you, you find they actually slack. Oh, we're champions. And they go get, get out there and get their butt kicked on the field because they didn't prepare. And you're going to play based on how you prepare. And so... And, and they say all the time, you know, practice makes perfect. No, perfect practice makes perfect. So you want a good marriage. Of course, of course there's no perfect marriages, but you want a good, solid, healthy marriage. It's going to start in the process of preparation leading up to marriage. You got to do those things right. That's the preparation we're talking about, all right? Don't rush anything. Learn. If you don't learn now, you'll have to learn later. <laughs> Oh, Lord. And that it, 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 sometimes it's compounded and a little bit more pa painful when you have to learn later. Make sure that you are ready. I'm talking about um, both have to be ready for marriage. If one could be ready, the other one could not be ready. You, you don't want to rush. You want to make sure that you wait on the other person. If you are more ready than the other one, then you need to, you need to get on the same page. You need to get on the same level. So then it can also become an unequal yoking. When one is more ready, more spiritual, more mature, the other one is not. That is dangerous. Because if you think, well, I'll marry that person and help that person grow. No, no, you're not marrying a disciple. You're not becoming, becoming a mother or a father. You, you need, you know, you're becoming a husband or a wife. So that's very important that you understand that. Um. Times of preparation are never wasted times. So, you know, don't, and don't be some spiritual flake where you're claiming that you heard from God and, and this is the fifth person you heard about this year. <laughs> All right, okay, something's not right here. I've seen it all, guys. I've seen it all. I'll never forget there was a young lady... In our Bible school in Turkey, she was from Nigeria. She comes to me crying after Bible school. Pastor, I don't know what to do. I, I just don't know what's going on. I said, what is it? I said, I've had like three different guys tell me this month that God spoke to them about me. I said, which one is right? I said, none of them. <laughs> what do I do if they come to me? Slap him. Rebuke him. Because that God doesn't work that way. Even if God does speak to you, you don't go walk up to somebody and say, well, I feel like God spoke to me. You're to be my wife. That's just about the dumbest thing you can ever do. And, and I mean, listen, I mean, Bible school, River Bible Institute. I mean, we call it River School of Ministry here, but in Turkey, Tampa, used to have the River Bible. They used to call it River Bridal Institute. You know, some people just go to Bible school just to find a wife or a husband, and, and, and it's, it's wrong. And, uh, and you've got a lot of young people coming to Bible school. I mean, the more students you have, the more trouble you have. 
you'd be surprised at the stuff that goes on. Anyway, so uh, I'm talking about two stable in people, not up and down like a yo-yo, pursuing God with their whole heart, committed to the things of God, serving God, going to church, regular in church, stable in church, serving in church. Pastor, he's so spiritual. Really? He shows up at church once every three months? He ain't spiritual. Please. Who are you kidding yourself? Who are you kidding? Oh, he's very spiritual. No, he's not. A spiritual person is going to be stable. They're going to be committed. They're going to be in church, serving in church, not just showing up in church, serving, getting involved, pursuing the things of God, growing, being discipled, going to prayer meetings, going to school, going to discipleship program, learning, growing. That's a spiritual person. Okay. So sorry if I burst somebody's bubble here tonight, but maybe I just saved you a lifetime of misery. I don't know. You know, because they have a, a Jesus fish sticker on their car. It doesn't determine anything about being spiritual. Right. So, of course, with two stable, mature people, God can do a quick work. But for the most, most people, it's going to be a, a process. Slower. And slower, the better. Slow cooking. Tastes so much better when you cook meat slow, doesn't it? It's tender, falls off the fork. You don't even need a knife. Amen. So make sure you get tenderized in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> don't rush it. Amen. And if you know what you're looking for, then it's easier. But like I said, unfortunately, a lot of people jump into an intimate relationship too quickly. They don't come for counseling. They don't think they need it. They don't think they need it. They go get a government marriage or something or whatever. They, or they go find a rent a priest. <laughs> Every week I get, I get emails at the church, the regular info at riverwpb.com. We're looking for a wedding officiant. Is that what they call it? Officiant. I'm not a wedding officiant. <laughs> we pay well. It's usually, uh, it's usually uh, the wedding planners. And I re reply, I am not a rent a priest. Because I do not marry anyone, I do not counsel. Because it's a great responsibility for me to stand before God, bless these two individuals. If I don't know them from Moses, what am I going to bless them for? Maybe I'm trying to bless something that's cursed. I mean, seriously. I don't know what's going on. I have to invest. I'm a pastor. It's a great responsibility to stand before God. Otherwise, I suffer double, suffer double judgment. I have to teach them. I have to speak into their lives. i got to make sure that I have done my part to prepare them, that they are ready, that I can stand before God and seal this marriage with a clear conscience. It's a great responsibility. So I'm not a rent-a-priest. You don't have enough money to, to, for me to override my, I will pay you a thousand bucks. I don't care if you pay me a million bucks. I'm not going to override my conscience the voice of God, and, and, and it's terrible. Terrible. Hallelujah. There's nothing worse than standing public, standing before people, looking at two people, and, and being grieved in your spirit when you're doing a, a wedding. And I've been there, and I will never, ever, 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 ever do that. They wanted it, they wanted it, they wanted it, and I sort of, you know, I, I did walk them through the things, but it just, it just wasn't really happening. That was in my earlier pastoring years. And I, and I said before, Lord, I will never do that again, ever. I don't care if they pay me a billion dollars. Okay. 
So, like I said, I don't marry anyone that I haven't counseled because it's a grave responsibility. And I'll talk about our counseling here that we do at the church before you say I do. I like this one. There are others. I like this one because I did it. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, over one million copies sold, revised, updated. It's, it's a classic. A marriage preparation guide for couples. It's got 12 lessons. Each, each person, in the, uh, you know, each one will have the book. So, and then you, you will do, do it on your own, answering a lot of questions, filling in a lot of things. And then you get together, you discuss your answers, you talk, and it's wonderful because it takes you ev through everything. Chapter 1, what is marriage? Biblical, a lot of scriptures about marriage. Chapter 2, uniqueness and acceptance in marriage. Chapter 3, love as a basis for marriage. Chapter 4, what do you expect from marriage? Expectations, very important. You better communicate all the expectations right off the bat. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to get in big trouble. And in, in everything, even if you're getting into a business deal, you better, everything. You always, the expectations have always have to be clearly defined and understood. Because the number one reason offenses arise is because of unmet expectations or mis, misunderstood expectations. People get offended, so you don't want to. Number six, fulfilling needs in marriage. Needs are different. Men's needs and women's needs are different. You need to understand the, the differences. Uh, chapter seven, roles, responsibilities, and decision-making. Chapter 8, in-laws or outlaws. It's your choice. <laughs> How do you do, relate with uh, family members? A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Doesn't say you bring your wife to live with your parents. It's about the worst thing you can do. <laughs> Even if you're living in the garage or out back in the little other guest house. You need to have privacy. You need to build your own family. Okay. Chapter 9, communication. Oh, number one reason why marriages and relationships break down. Communication. Number uh, 10, conflict. How to resolve conflict. Conflict resolution. Huge. It's, a, it's an art. You have to learn it. Chapter 11, finances. Number two reason why marriages break up. Financial issues. And then number three. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, number 12, sex and marriage. Well, maybe we should put now, above finances really is infidelity, sexual infidelity. But of course, what is sex and marriage? And then chapter 13, your spiritual life together. And then there is a uh, planning your wedding chapter and all that kind of stuff. So you have to go through all, all 12 of these. People go through six and they go, will you marry us? No, you need to finish the book. Well, we want to do it now. I'm sorry. Don't put me under the gun. I'm serious. Then you're going to have to go find somebody else because I... I got to prepare you. I'm a pastor, not a rent-a-priest. Okay. <laughs> Call 1-800-RENT-A-PRIEST. I'm not picking up on that one. All right. So the fact is that there is a right way to do things, okay? And so what happens when the gift of attraction kicks in? The Holy Spirit connects you with somebody. And like I said, this could be two men. Like David and Jonathan could be two men, two brothers in the Lord, you know, or two women, two sisters in the Lord, they're very close. That could also happen. And just because you feel close to someone doesn't mean you have to marry them. Okay? So you, go, you, have, you have friends in your circle and you have closer friends. It's very simple. Like I said, I know a lot of ministers, but I'm not friends with all of them. Some of them, I just, they're acquaintances. I shake their hands. Others are close friends. They come preach for me here. I go preach for them. We call each other. We pray over each other. When I, need, I have a need, I call them and ask them to pray. They know me. I know them. That's different. Okay, so we understand that, right? Okay. And it's also good for accountability. 
very important for accountability. If you isolate yourself, you're going to fall. You're going to become an easy prey for the devil. The, the sheep that gets away from the fold is the, one, the first one that you know, the, the walls are going to go after. So you got to stay in the, pa- in, in the, in the, in the fold. Sorry. Um, and it's very important that you understand you know, you can have, you can just be good friends. And it may not be, it may not, you know, if it's a man or a woman, it may not lead to marriage. Maybe you'll just become good friends. You're somebody else's, that guy is somebody else's husband and you're somebody else's wife. And you might still remain lifelong friends after you marry different people. And it's okay. So if you handle things right, then you can save face and you can stay still connected. Right? So be careful not to give your heart away too quickly. If God didn't call you to marry that person, protect your heart, right? What are you supposed to do? Above all that you protect, protect your heart with all diligence. So protect your heart. Don't give it away too quickly. When you get it back, pieces will be missing and it can come back to you broken and then you need healing and it can cause you to lose time. And maybe... Because of that, when the right person is there, you won't be able to see them or get, or get into the healthy relationship with that person because you, you end up missing your opportunity because you allowed something else out of God's timing or out of God's order. It's very important, guys. Very, very important. Amen. Is this helping anybody here tonight? Okay, wonderful. All right, let's move on. I'm going to get into the four and define them. Um, okay. Protect your heart. Taking... Because like I said, taking your heart back could be very painful. And sometimes you never get it back or get pieces of it back. Um, Like I said, there'll be some girls you'll have friends. Others will be close friends. Or some guys you'll have friendship with and others will be very close friends. Now in that friendship circle, there might be a person that might be a candidate. Number one. Phase one, you have to develop a godly friendship with that person. Centered around the things of God. What does that mean? Word, worship, prayer, serving together. Always public. Everyone say this after me. Public. Public. That's the key. You keep it public. Everything's public. Everything's transparent. Everything's out in the open. In a group setting. Number of group of friends together, serving, hanging out. Church picnics, church outreaches, in the church serving together, hanging out here. I mean, just a group of friends. And then, you know, somebody starts to kind of stick out to you, maybe. You don't really know that person, so you have to get to know them. It's very important that you get to know somebody. Don't just jump into a dating situation just because immediately you felt the attraction to somebody. Check them out first. Prove them as God has to prove. God proves us, right? And God, what? Proved his love for us in this, that Christ died for us. So you're going to have to, that other person is going to have to prove themselves. They're going to have to die to the flesh, die to self, die to what they want to have what God wants. That's important, right? So death. Death to the flesh. Death 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 to the wrong ways. Get to know them. It takes time to get to know somebody. It's impossible for you. You think you know somebody and then you realize you don't. How do you get to know somebody? You got to see how they are in all these different situations and environments. How are they with their family? How are they with other brothers and sisters in the church? You know, how are they with their pastor? Watch and see how they treat your pastor. If they're disrespectful to the pastor, that's not a, that's not a good, that's a red flag. 
right? If they're, if they look down on other people, if they're, you know, whatever, check them out, see how they, how are they at work? How are they serving in church? How are they outside of church? People look very holy in church, and then you get out there, and it's like, whoa, what in the world? You know? I, I had one of the young ladies in the church uh, come to me, said, you know, not here, but in Istanbul, they said, Pastor, you know, I went out to just get coffee with this other girl in the church, two girls. We just wanted to, I wanted to talk. Man, because I thought the, the girl's so spiritual. She gets touched in all the meetings. And I wanted to talk about the fire of God, the call of God. And then she said to me at the coffee, I don't, we're not in church. I don't want to talk about God now. And she, she was kind of shocked because she was looking for that person, iron sharpens iron, to keep the fire burning. And, and she just wanted, didn't want to, she wanted to talk about fashion, the shoes and bags and I mean there's a place for that too but when the moment she said I don't want to talk about God now we're not in church that's a red flag I'm going to talk about God everywhere I am amen Amen. hallelujah so they may not be as spiritual as spiritual as you think they are find out how spiritual they really are you know see how they're with other people elderly how they treat elderly people how they treat children how they treat uh, other women, other ladies. You know, maybe they're like flirting with everybody. That's a problem. <laughs> How are they with their parents? Do they have a good relationship with their parents? Because you guess what? You're marrying into that family, whether you like them or not. How they take how they treat their responsibilities. Are they responsible? Are they prompt? Are they on time? Are they honorable? Are they loyal? You know. Are they faithful? Check them out. See the fruit of the Spirit in their life. That's what spirituality is. If somebody's showing the fruit of the Spirit, that person is spiritual. Not just because they speak in tongues, roll on the floor, run around the church. They, got, they might be getting touched, but are they being changed and growing and, and bearing fruit that, hey, that's a spiritual person because they have godly character. The fruit of the Spirit is evident in their life. You got to check it out. You, be a fruit inspector. And then taste some of that fruit. Sometimes that red apple you bite into it is not that good. Okay? So check them out and really find out how they are. Observe them. Are they real? Check them out to see how they are. Are they truly spiritual? What are their conversation topics? What do they talk about? What are their passions? Okay? Stability. Look for behavior and stability. Are they a stable individual? Are they changing jobs every two weeks? You know? Can, if they can even pay bills and keep a job and keep, have a stable life, how are they going to even be stable in the marriage? They must be a stable individual. There must be stability in their life. Okay? Don't just jump into friendship and go straight into romance. You know? And they, don't just jump right into marriage. I, I know people that just jump right into marriage and three, four, five, six years, ten years later, they realize they're not even friends. They don't even know each other. Take the time to get to know the person. Make sure you know that person. Have fun. You know, you know, you know the age-old saying, if you're ever going to marry somebody, marry your best friend. 100%. Somebody you can have fun with, share things with, talk, spend time together, all of those things. You have things in common. Okay, find out what they're like, their habits, their hobbies, their passions, their dreams. These are important things. Okay. All right. And if you think they're gonna, you're going to change them, I'm in this 
God, God spoke to me, and I'm, I'm to be with this person because I'm, 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 I'm here to help them change and grow. Ooh, you can't change anybody. Again, big words. Godly friendship. This is non-committal. Non-committal. The, the key word here is non-committal. You don't commit to the relationship too quickly. You might be attracted, even, you know, maybe a little flirt a little bit, but not physical, no dating. You do not ever get sexual. That's sin, and it'll blow things up big time. You'll mess up God's plan, and you'll grieve the Holy Ghost, and now you've got condemnation, guilt, shame. You can't hear from God, and you'll be misled. The enemy will get in, and he'll take it. He'll take you in the direction you shouldn't even be going, and you will. You could lose your life. You could lose some. You can lose years of your life. You could. You could. You know. You could go around the mountain for forty years. You don't want to do that. Okay. Even if they're called to be your spouse, well, I know that I'm. I'm. I'm called to marry this person, so I'll jump in bed. No, that's still sin. And and you know what. And if they're not called to be your spouse, that's even worse. You just slept with somebody else's husband or wife. Now you messed up somebody else's life. Now God's going to hold you responsible for all of it. Seriously, guys. These, these are serious matters. Okay? All right? So this is a public relationship. Do not ever be alone in a house together, not even to pray or study the word. Pastor, I don't know what happened. We were just praying together, laying hands on each other, and I have no idea how the clothes came off and how she got pregnant. I don't know how she got pregnant. I know exactly how she got pregnant. When you do the things that get people pregnant, they get pregnant. She didn't get pregnant by osmosis, by sitting on the bed holding hands. Something else was happening. But no, I'm serious. Why you don't want to get along? Because don't overestimate yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Because especially, we're not talking about a person you hate. We're talking about a person you feel attracted to. And emotions and hormones can come in. And you want to be, you, you definitely want to protect yourself. You want to establish boundaries early and strongly. Okay? So worldly dating is all about the hormones, the flesh, people using each other selfish and then they just you know they do it and then they oh sorry it didn't work out and they go from relationship to relationship to relationship and every relationship there's a compound effect of the things that have accumulated the mess the pain the hurt the soul ties the junk and it's just getting worse and it's like a spiraling downhill snowballing effect of mess in their life and if you have been in that situation before and you got saved, stop it, get right, get healed up, get cleaned up, and wait on how God, learn and wait on how God's going to do it. All right? And, you know, I mean, some young people go through several divorces before they even get married. I'm talking about not even married, married. Divorces because they got into a relationship, they got sexual, they got too committed, they got too involved, they gave away the heart too quickly, they, it got crushed, it got hurt, they... The relationship broke up, and now it's like a divorce. It's a hurt. There's a wound. And, they need, and then if they don't get healed and they jump into the next relationship, they get hurt again. Guess what's happening? 
Now you got a pattern. Now you got a big mess. You got open doors for the enemy. You got soul ties. You got hurts. You got emotional trauma. You got all kinds of things. And they can't hear from God. And they can't really be a stable individual until they finally stop and say, you know what? I'm going to do things right. I'm going to get healed. I'm going to become whole. And I'm going to pursue the things of God. And I'm going to just let God bring the person. I'm not even going to look for it. Amen? This is wisdom, guys. Say, thank you, Pastor. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay. So, um, and you know, breakups hurt. You know, when you jump in the mud, you get all dirty. Now you got to get cleaned up. So, and then don't try to date on the rebound. Sometimes they break up and on the rebound, they get, jump into another relationship. Don't get intimate, physical, and break up. You'll take the hurt into the next relationship. There'll be a compound effect. Okay. Um, and, and please, if you do feel attraction to somebody, don't go around telling everybody you like that person. It's about the worst thing you can do. I like her. I like him. Don't ever do that. That's like children's church stuff. Don't do that. Keep it to yourself and pray. If the Holy Ghost is moving on your heart about somebody, keep it to yourself and pray. Don't go around telling people. And the rumor mill starts. And starts churning. Don't do that. And oh my God, the pressure to get married. Pastor, I got to get married. Why? The clock's ticking. Keep, let it tick. It's the wrong reason to be married. <laughs> Pastor, I have needs. You don't get married for needs. Well, I, need a, I need a man to meet my needs. I need a woman to meet my needs. Okay, so you're need-oriented. You have to be seed-oriented. The same message, listen, same preaching about giving works for this. You have to be a giver. You get married to give. You sow seed of love and blessing into the other person's life. And if you're not whole to be able to do that, then wait till you become that person. If you're not the person that can be a blessing to somebody... Then don't do it. You're not ready yet. Wait till you're ready. Because that's just no, no different than a Christian that comes to church. Bless me, bless me, bless me. It's a bless me club. That person never serves. They're never committed. It's all about them. And that's the wrong reason to be married and get into a relationship. It's gonna, you're going to be miserable. Because you're not going to have your needs met. And you're going to put pressure on the other person to do that for you. And it's going to be a big it's going to be a lot of strife where there is what uh, <clears throat> where there's uh, envy and strife there's all forms of evil so that's going to be a relationship full of strife relationship full of unmet expectations and it's never going to work okay or is it okay, <laughs> okay. again i'm trying to help you guys all right so and some some people are in love with the idea of being married and they'll just marry the, I just got to get married. Why? And they'll marry somebody just because they want to be married. And then you, you, know, you wonder why they even got married. Because they just, are, they're in love with the idea of being married. If it's God's will, it'll be confirmed over and over and over again. All right? So godly friendship is the first phase. And in that group of godly friendship, the gift of attraction begins to kick in. Somebody... You're attracted to somebody in the spirit, 
Okay, you're attracted to the qualities of that person. Not just, I'm not talking about he's so handsome, he drives a nice car, or she's so beautiful, this, that, whatever. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not talking about the natural attractions, but I'm talking about spiritual attraction in your heart. You're drawn to that person by the Holy Spirit. There's a connection you feel, and then that leads to the second phase, which is intimate godly friendship. Within a, a lot of godly friendships, you, that one person sort of kind of rises up in your heart and you feel drawn to that person and you you feel you want to get to know that person you already are friends you already know each other but now you want to get you want to get to know that person more intimately deeper way not physically intimacy i'm not talking about physical intimacy i'm talking about it started in the spirit now actually it's leading into the realm of the soul the mind the will the emotions where you're actually sharing some more inner things okay all right, so in the intimate godly friendship, all right, you've taken your time in phase one of godly friendship. You've taken your time. You let the thing flow out of the things of God. And then now there's an intimate godly friendship. Now you verbalize and acknowledge the attraction to one another. Hey, you know, I really like you. I really just feel drawn to you. And then the other person, you know, I feel the same way. You know, let's get to know each other a little bit more, see if something is there. Very simple, okay? And you, you've been friends, now you become best friends. Among many friends, that person's becoming like your best friend. Watching, praying, finding out about the other person's heart. This is where you begin to share a little bit more intimately about your life, you know, okay? Still not giving your heart away too quickly and fully. You're still being cautious. You're just, because you're testing the waters. You're trying to find out, you know, this, if this is the person, this may be the one, right? You're feeling it. You, you, want, you want to pursue. You want to see more about this, right? Sharing some intimate things. Sharing your life story, maybe, your testimony, you know, you know what God's done in your life, things that you've been through, failures, successes, you know, you, you're getting to know this person. And you, you, you're kind of watching to see. You, even though you feel the attraction, you still want to know who this person is. Come on. Right? Okay. Um, the world looks on the outside. We know that. Everything's about the outside. The attraction is all about the outside. We are attracted to what's in the person. And we want to find out more about what's in that person. Okay? Um. You can start to hang out together now, together, but still public, one-on-one, -on -one, not with a bunch of friends, but just the two of you. You can hang out together publicly, not in a group, but maybe you go for a coffee, maybe you go, you know, have lunch somewhere, you talk, whatever, you know, maybe you hang out, uh, you know, in the lobby, talk someplace, but public, not private. Don't get alone in a room together. Did I say that? Should I repeat it again? Don't, do not get alone in a room together or in a car together either sometimes. Because, <laughs> you know, in the old days, they used to go park. Remember those? High school? Let's go parking. <laughs> Laying on of lips. No, you don't want to do that. That's the world, the world, the, the way the world does it. You can hang out together and you start to talk. You share vision, dreams, goals. Your calling, your experiences, your revelations, your sharing intimate godly things. 
about the things God's stirring in you. And, and, and at this point, you do want to find out about the vision, the dreams, and the goals of the person because you want to see if it's a match. And they might have amazing visions and dreams and wonderful things, but if it's not a match, then it's not a match. You, 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 call the, you, you feel the fire to go to the nations as an evangelist. You're going to shake nations, you know, and then, but she wants to just have a farm and have a bunch of kids and settle. And that's a wonderful vision for her, but it's for another man. Not, you know, because I'm going to the nations, you know, okay? So you, you want to find out if the vision fits, if the goals, the dreams are similar, you know? And going back to what happened with me and Pastor Rose, you know, we met on that faithful Sunday. And, uh, you know, I knew, I knew, but I still didn't know the person. So I go after the service. I want to talk to her. Uh, everybody was having Turkish tea and Turkish biscuits in the back of the church, small church. She's sitting in the front. I was hanging out talking to people. I saw she's okay. She's alone. I'm going to go say hi. I did, I did say hi coming in, you know, and I'm going to go say hi. So I went, and she was kind of like this. I didn't realize she was praying. I tapped her on the shoulder. She looked up at me, and that's why she said, what in the world? Okay, that's good. Uh, she looked up at me, and she said, Later on, she told me that she heard the voice of God said, that's your husband. And I didn't know she was praying because she, she was about to leave for Korea. She actually left for Korea next month in May. So, you know, we only got to see each other for about a month. After that, it was a one-year-long-distance relationship through faxes, praying, fast, fasting, and faxing. Fax machines. And, and that was about the best thing that could have happened because I had just started out in the ministry. I didn't want to have a distraction of a relationship. I wanted to find my way in the things of God in my ministry, you know, growing my calling, you know. And, and she, you know, when I found out she was going to be leaving, the Lord said, let her go. That's the best thing that could ever happen because you come from America. You've seen different cultures. I had been, you know, in many countries. I had been in, you know, corporate America. I traveled many, many cities and you know, six years of consulting, IT, and she'd kind of grew up, grew up with her mom, a little bit more sheltered, really never had been out of the country. So it was the best thing for her to go and just experience life and just grow up and see Christianity. I mean, she went from a house church with four people to a church with, you know, 40,000 people in Korea, and she got exposed. You know, it's great to see those things, you know, and even though in the flesh you're like, oh, I want her to be here. I knew that I knew in my heart it's the best thing that could happen, you know, so... The Lord said, let her go. She'll come back to you. And we just writing letters, praying. The Lord would show me things about her. The Lord would show her things about me. And we, it was all connected in the spirit. Thank God. I mean, we had no choice. We couldn't we can get in the flesh. There was no flesh to get into. Flesh was about, you know, 5,000 miles apart. Thank God. Or maybe more. Seven. I don't know. But anyway, so that, you know, and she came back, you know, and then we, six months longer, we pursued the relationship the intimate godly friendship part more and courtship and then we got engaged and then six months later we got married so about close to two years so i say engagement should be no longer than six months no less than three months a one year two year engagement is just too long just too long because if you know that you know and you've done you've done the process you put in the time prior you're ready you, now you're just preparing you're getting your counseling you're preparing planning the wedding and you know so but because you've done the work before. You don't have to play catch up. You don't get engaged and then now try to get the, do the preparation and the, you know, let everything work itself. So we are in phase two still. Intimate godly friendship. 
you want to see you know if the vision has to match because if there's two different visions there's division and it could be two amazing godly visions it's just not the right fit you got to check that out as well and wow i do feel attracted to this person you know what maybe you'll do ministry together you'll have a you know she'll have a husband and you'll have a wife but maybe you guys will team up and do something or other things but it doesn't mean you have to marry okay now you're finding out maybe this person uh, will only be a friend a close friend and maybe i'm not going to marry this person and uh you know so because you're preparing for your future you don't want to lose face if it's not going to work out with the person you still want to be able to be in the same room with that person you want to be in church together with that person if you find out it's not going to work out how many people leave churches because they got into a relationship too soon and it wasn't right or whatever and they just kind of rushed it and then they find out it's not and they kind of and then now they can't be in the same church together and then they end up leaving or whatever else and and then you know so stay as christian friends you should be able to stay as christian friends if it's not gonna work out if it's not if this person is not the one is that helping this takes a lot of self-control you know that but guess what you got the fruit of the spirit of self-control you become very good friends now at this point you started to see that he or she might be the one there's peace there's confirmation divisions match you, you realize you can serve the Lord together. There's unity. I like him. I like her kind of a thing. This could be the one, right? And the Bible says be fruitful and multiply, right? That's wonderful. And have dominion. Well, if you're going to have dominion, there has to be unity. Where there's strife, there's no dominion. You cannot have dominion in a marriage or a relationship if there's strife. Strife and division, there'll be no dominion. So you want to make sure that there's unity because unity is strength. One will chase a thousand, two will chase ten thousand, right? That there is strength, there's no strife. If you are in strife already in the friendship phase, what do you think is gonna happen when you get married? Oh <laughs> my lord. You know, think about that. Oh, when we get married, it'll get better. No, it'll get worse. Because <laughs> if you can't stand each other the hour you see each other, how are you gonna stand each other the 24 hours you're gonna be together? Who are you kidding? Amen. You know, they say love is blind, you know. But strife, no. Peace, yes. You have to have peace. You, you can't just get married on emotions. There ha- common vision. Everyone say common vision. This is key. That's what's going to keep you together. There are going to be days that are going to be tough. Oh, yeah. There are going to be days that are going to be tough. We've had days that were tough. A couple, three days tough. But you know what? The vision kept us together. God put us together and the vision was always there and the Holy Ghost kept us together. Okay, so now you've done the godly friendship. You've done the intimate godly friendship, godly intimate friendship. And now you get into phase three, courtship, godly courtship. This is what, it's different than dating. Why? Because you haven't just saw somebody, hey, let's go out for a date and you got a little bit too much or whatever. You've really kind of done your due diligence. You've gone through the process. You, you know, you, you got to the place and in courtship, courtship, it's been confirmed in both. What does that mean? Is it can't be just one person that wants to pursue courtship. It has to be both. Both have to be ready to pursue courtship. What does that mean? Yes, we're gonna really now see if your marriage material, you know. And I really feel it. 
he feels it, she feels it, and you get into courtship. What is the difference between this and intimate godly relationship? You, there's a, you are now romantically pursuing a non-physical relationship that will lead to marriage. You are now romantically pursuing romance. Romance. Sweet whisperings of wonderful candy, roses, cards, text messages. You're my mighty man of God. You're an amazing woman of God. You know, whatever. Just stuff like that. <laughs> You're buying gifts and there's a romance involved. Non-physical romance. Now you can hold hands only. It's a, the only physical contact. Holding hands in public. No kissing, no touching. The Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. If God says it, you better know it. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. So there's hearts. This is a non-physical, accountable, pure and godly relationship. Because in dating, there's too much flesh involved in the worldly dating. You know. And you listen to me. You do not want to arouse things before their time. Because once you cross the boundary, it's much easier to cross it next time. And if you, have, if you cross a boundary, you'll always go further the next time. So that's why you want to have strict boundaries. You don't want to cross any boundaries because you don't want to regret something. You don't do anything you will regret, basically. Okay? Because when you get in the flesh, confusion will come in. You won't be able to hear from God. God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. So you want to have peace. You want to maintain peace. Not only in your marriage, but also in your heart that you're not condemned. You're not doing something that's going to bring condemnation, guilt, or shame. Because the Bible says if your heart condemns you, you don't have any confidence before God. You won't be able to operate in faith. And you have to have faith to hear the voice of God. Keep it slow. Follow the process. At this point, trust is developed. You know you can trust this person. And that's a key thing, man. I'll tell you, trust is key in relationship. If you can't trust a person, what are you doing even with that person? You have to be able to trust. And when trust is broken, it's hard to, because you have to earn trust. And now what basically, you've gone through the process where trust has been earned by both sides. You can't earn trust overnight. It takes time to earn trust. You've proven yourself to one another, okay? you prayed much. You've sought the Lord much. You've sought wise counsel. It's been confirmed over and over again, not only in your heart, but through others that you've submitted. Remember what did I say? A godly relationship is a submitted relationship. Thank you. Because you've submitted the relationship to the Holy Spirit, to the Word, and to other godly authority, there has been plenty of confirmation at this point. Okay? And you are now getting close to making a lifetime commitment to this person. Okay? Now, there are some, still some qualifications. I'm going to run to about 12 qualifications. Is this good? 12 qualifications in courtship that you need to be looking for, okay? What does that mean? Number one, I kind of already mentioned this, but both have heard from God, not only one, because it takes two to tango. It takes two for courtship. You got to put God first place, seek God, not marriage. You're not seeking marriage, you're seeking God. You're not just seeking a mate, you're seeking God who's going to bless you with a mate. So you want to know, both have heard from God. Both are committed to the courtship process. If one is ready, the other one isn't ready, then you have to wait. Both have to be committed to the courtship process. Otherwise, somebody's going to get cold feet if it's going to get too far, and then things are going to get out of whack. 
Secondly, you're growing spiritually together. You're growing spiritually together. Third, both have to be stable, stable, mature Christians. How do you know a stable, mature Christian? I'll give you two words. Responsible, responsi responsible and disciplined. That's a stable individual. Responsibility is a sign of stability. Somebody's irresponsible, they're not stable. Responsibility and stability, this discipline. They can person can hold a job. They're always in church, always serving, paying bills on time, responsible, taking care of things, you know, just stable individual on top of things. That's important. Amen. Well, that's just not my personality. No, it has nothing to do with personality. It has to do with spiritual maturity and character. Okay? You can be a very, very bubbly personality and still be disciplined with your finances, with your life. It's important, okay? Look for character. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, that was, uh, I jumped, I'm ju I jumped the gun. Number three was uh, stability. Number four, sorry. They have to be able to stand on their own with God. They have to be able to stand on their own with God. They have a st stable relationship with God. They are a solid Christian on their own with God. Without anybody else, they're, they're, they're standing with God. Okay, number five qualification you're looking for in courtship is if they're in church and serving God. If they're not in church, please. Well, he's a believer, but he just doesn't go to church. What kind of a believer is that? He loves Jesus. He loves the Lord. When Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. He said, this is how they will know that you're my disciples. You love one another. They're not connected to the body. They're not tithing. They're not coming to church. They're not serving. That's, that person is not committed to the church. They're not committed to God. Why do, you th why do you think they're going to be committed to you? Come on, somebody. Please. Let's get real here. So much oh, garbage. I was about to say another word. But so much garbage out there. Especially in Christendom. Loosey-goosey Christians. Churches are full of them, right? Don't we know them? Haven't we seen them all? Come on, somebody. Let's get real. Let's serve God with passion and fire and be committed. Because if that person is not committed to God, committed to church, committed to tithing, committed to serving, why, why do you think they're going to be committed to you? They're out fishing on Sunday. They're out golfing on Sunday. What, you think they're going to be committed to you? No, they won't. Anyways, all right. I'm sorry. I, I speak as a pastor. I've seen too many, too many hurt people. I've counseled hundreds Maybe in the thousands now, you know, so I know and it breaks my heart to see this. But if you do things right, you'll save yourself a lot of trouble. All right. Number six, look for character, fruit. Like I said, if you're the fifth person this year, God spoke to them about something's not right. You ain't Mr. Right. You're Mr. Wrong. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. No more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. No more. Look for character, look for stability, the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Number seven, test them and prove them. Put them through the test. Put them through the test, prove them. And listen, if, if some hardship comes along in the relationship, that's great. See how they handle hardship, seriously. If they crack under pressure, be careful. They're going to crack under pressure when you get married. They might run out the door the first pressure. 
Prove them, test them, see how they are. Just like God proves people. Many are called, few are chosen. See if he's the chosen one. Is she the chosen one? He calls all the time. He, call, he can call me, but he ain't chosen. Because you have to choose. And make sure that they're the right person that you're choosing. Because this is a big decision you're making. Right? Number eight. But God spoke to me. <laughs> Wonderful. Maybe it's two, three years down the line. Not two, three weeks. Maybe God did speak to you. She's the one, she's the one. But maybe it's not now. Timing is everything. Find out if it's... God, made, God did speak. He gave you the direction. But the timing... Like I said, just because God spoke doesn't mean you're going to go to the courthouse next week. Find out what's going on. Get, get, you know, get, the, get, get everything right. Number nine, you can't go any further than your spouse in ministry, in life, in anything. You have to be on the same page. There has to be unity. You know, I know I have friends that are not in ministry anymore because their wife wanted to have nothing to do with the ministry. And the call of God is circumvented. I have a, a friend of mine. He, he was traveling the nations as evangelist. He's, he's a truck driver right now. Because his wife just ragged him, ragged him, ragged him, ragged him. You know, just, they made him Bible college. Got married real too quick, I guess. And she was not ready for what she was getting herself into. And she just absolutely gave, gave him hell. Every time he would travel, she would just give him hell. Can you imagine? You're out there fighting the devil and you, you got this other devil attacking you. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Constant, constant criticism, constant, come home. He couldn't take it anymore. So she ended up leaving him, going back to her hometown in Mississippi. Said, I want a divorce. She married some other guy, and he's driving a truck right now because he got so beaten down by the whole thing. It just, it took him out. He, it took him out. He used to travel with Kenneth Hagin singing for him. So think about that. Marry the wrong person. So if you really have a calling on your life, you gotta, you got to marry the right person. Number 10, share vision and work together. Share vision, share vision. Keep the vision. Write it before paper. Write it on, upon tablets. Keep the vision. Keep looking at the vision. Read the vision. Run with the vision. Vision is very important. Every marriage has to have a vision. You have to have a vision for your marriage. And it has to be something greater than you just you know, getting married, having a house together, and have a couple of kids together. That's wonderful, but there has to be a greater purpose for your life. There has to be a divine vision for your life. Vision is, is what's going to fuel the passion in your heart. Have a vision. Share the vision. Talk the vision. Work together. Pray into the vision. Number 11, submit the relationship to your pastors and listen to them. Submit the relationship to your pastors and listen to them. Godly courtship is a serious commitment. There's still a backdoor at this point, but it's better not to be used. You know, because you've gotten a little further now in the relationship. So let me define again courtship, non-physical, accountable, romantic, godly relationship. Non-physical, accountable, romantic, godly relationship. Set clear boundaries right away. Never ever be behind closed doors together, never alone. I can testify as a pastor how many times I've seen situations. Don't think of yourself more highly than you, you should. Ultimately, this is a person you're attracted to. There is love involved. You love this person. 
You're feeling love for this person. There's an emotional connection, so be careful. Too easy to fall when you're alone. Read 1 Corinthians 6.13. Read 1 Corinthians 6.13 through 7.1. I'll give that to you as your um, reading assignment, homework. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13 through 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. That are, because what's going to happen is it's going to arouse sexual feelings when the touch is too intimate, too, too you know, it's going to arouse sexual feelings. And so you don't want to arouse things before their time. Then, then you're just going to be constantly struggling with the thoughts, the lust, uh, the flesh, and you don't want to do that. Don't cross that boundary. Like I said, it's easier next time, and you'll end up going further. Don't get all heated up. You know what I'm talking about, right? Flamey, fiery of the flesh. And let me tell you, if you truly love that person, you will respect their boundaries anyways. Ladies, if a man truly loves you, he will respect your purity, your holiness. He will not compromise your relationship with God and put you in a position where you're living in condemnation, guilt, and shame, and like you failed and insecurities and fears and all kinds of garbage will come in and now you're all messed up well, he loves me really he loves you and he's he's going to compromise your relationship with compromising the purity and the holiness of the relationship that's not love that's selfish you have to have holiness before god okay so that's important to understand a man of god who loves you will respect you and same thing goes for a woman of god who loves you will respect you as well because women are sometimes much worse now these days. They don't want to lose the man, so they get him in bed. And then he gets hooked, and that's, that's rough. So please, keep, keep yourself pure, holy, and without shame. That's important. Holding hands in public, walking in the park, that kind of stuff, you know. Go for a walk in the park, buy her some flowers, tell him he's, he's an awesome man of God. You know, all that kind of stuff. Whispering some sweet things. And at this point, you're starting to give your heart away to this person. When you start to give your heart away to this person in courtship, one of two things will happen. One of two things will happen when you start to... You'll either grieve the Holy Spirit and you'll drift apart. Or the attraction, the gift of attraction will become so strong and it'll be confirmed so strongly in you. There'll be undeniable confirmation that you are to marry this person. You're ready for engagement. Okay? So. Huh? Two things. One of two things will happen when you start to give your heart away in courtship. Either the Holy Spirit will be grieved and you'll drift apart. Or the gift of attraction will become stronger. And there'll be a stronger confirmation that you are to marry this person. And now you're ready to move into the next phase right and it's very important it's before engagement it needs to happen before engagement you have to be healed from any wounds of past failed relationships this is vital this is vital until you are healed and made whole from the wounds of any past failed relationships you do not want to go into engagement okay so allow god to do that healing work in you before you get into engagement and 
And, I th I'm, and in courtship, all of that should become clear. You should know everything about that person. There should be nothing hidden. Everything should be transparent. You should really know everything about that person. And both of you should know everything about each other. You should know all your failures, all your messes in the past. If there's a divorce, if there's other failed relationships, that should be on the table. Full disclosure. Full disclosure because you, you got to know what you're getting yourself into. And you got to be able to pray for each other so that God can do a work in you for healing. And you need to be, hold each other accountable. And you, out of love for that person, say, you know what? We need a little bit more time. Because I feel like maybe you need a little bit more time. Or I need, you need to be honest. I need a little bit more time for God to f fully heal me. But don't just wait around for it to happen. you got to press in for it. Right. you got to seek God, pursue God so that he does that work in you so that you are ready. And you can say, yes, I'm ready. And the other person can say, yes, I'm ready. Don't lie to yourself and don't lie to the other person. Be honest. Full disclosure. Honesty is the best policy. Bring everything into the light so that you can have fellowship with one another, right? You have to walk in the light as God is in the light. If you are to walk with God who is in the light, everything has to be in the light. No hidden agendas, no darkness, no nothing. Oh, my God, I saw something yesterday. <laughs> it's crazy. A woman, a married woman, won the lottery, won like $12 million or something, did not tell her husband. The next week, she divorced him. And then she went and cashed the, the winning lottery ticket, $12 million. Two or three years later, somehow through a, a letter or something, he found out because of the address or something. Ended up, he found out he sued her. He got everything back and all the, she had to pay all the court fees and the cost damages, emotional damages, $20 million or something crazy. And told me, this is the world we're dealing with. My God. She wanted all the money for all to herself. People are crazy. I don't know why I had to say that, but okay. You have to be healed from the wounds of the past failed relationships. Pray for cleansing and healing. And I'm going I'm to pray for some people for that tonight. I just felt that's where this was going to be going when I was preparing. Is that okay? All right. Engagement. We're almost done. Engagement. See, engagement is like half a page. Of notes you know why because you've done everything right there's not much to do with engagement I mean obviously there are things in engagement but if the godly courtship is confirmed it should lead to engagement you are closing the back door when you're engaged there's no longer a back door don't say well, well let's get engaged eh, maybe no there's no maybe or if or end or but I mean, engagement means this is it yes and amen right you're closing the back door. It's 100% yes. Then you get engaged. If you cannot say 100% yes, then you shouldn't get engaged. There should be no breakup in engagement. It's like a divorce. There's a ring involved. Nice ring. Round one. Has no beginning, has no end. Till death do us apart. This is it. This is forever. I'm thinking of a Randy Travis song. I'm going to love you forever and ever, forever and ever. Amen. You know, something like that. It's it. It means I'm getting married. We're getting married. That's what engagement means. The whole world knows. Pictures, Instagram, getting on the knees. The rings are presented. 
She said yes, da da da, you know, all that stuff, whatever, this one. This one. But it's more than an Instagram photo op, it's something real, you know, but it's, it's, it's public. We're getting married. Once you put the ring on, it's forever. That ring never comes off. That should be your intention. Okay? Non physical. Doesn't mean, oh, we got engaged, we can jump in bed. No! You wait till your wedding night. Seal the covenant. At this time, you start marriage counseling. You sit down with your pastor. You start with the book. You start planning your wedding. You start planning things out. You start preparing and you start this book. But before you get to this book, you've already read a lot of books. You've read other books on marriage. You've prayed. You've searched scriptures. So this is not like first time you're getting in the word. I have people sometimes like that. I mean, literally, this is like the first time they literally like opening their Bible. That's it's kind of rough. You know. but, but I've also married people that were living together, had been living together, were never married, and they come to me, Pastor, okay, you know, we feel convicted. Can you help us? And I love you, and I'll help you. There's no shame, no condemnation. I'm just trying to get you from where you are to where you should be. That's all about it. So it's no judgment, no legalism. I'm not going to beat you up. Okay, wonderful. Let's, I'll help you. If you're willing to do it, do, do things right, get things right, I'm here to help. I love you. God loves you. I'm here to help. That's always my attitude. So I'll start you on the course and I'll help you. And I've done that with many, many people. More now these days than before. You know, because that it seems to be a little bit more of the norm, but it's not the right way. So let's do it the right way. If it's not right, let's get it right. Okay. So what does that mean? Engagement. Plan. Prepare. Plan. Prepare. Plan and prepare for a glorious marriage. Not a perfect one, but a godly one. Amen. If God proves people, you have to prove people. God proved his love. Christ died for us. There are no shortcuts. You will suffer any shortcut you take. Be patient. Invest the time. Go slow. Be led by the Spirit. Sow the right seeds. And the Lord will do a mighty work in you and through you. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you. There are many people in this room and many people that will listen to this recording that'll be in different phases of life. Some elder in their lives, they've already gone through maybe a divorce and they're looking for the next person. They're looking for the person. Others, young, pursuing whatever. Some already in courtship. Some already engaged. Other, there's going to be many, many different spectrums. But I thank you, Holy Spirit. No matter what the person is, and some are married, no matter what that person is, there's always work for the Holy Spirit to do in their lives. And especially, I pray for married couples that the passions or when they pursued one another will be rekindled in them. That the passions of pursuit, just like they pursued that relationship, maybe if they stop pursuing that relationship, that there'll be a rekindling of a fire so they can pursue as husband and wife the relationship 
the courtship, they, they go right back to that place of courtship again, the romance, you know, flowers and beautiful things. And, the, you know, the husbands will start sort of taking their wives out on dates again. And they have a date night and other things. And that do, just stir that up in them, Father, so that their marriage can be strengthened. Strengthened. Unity strengthened. Vision strengthened. Others, young people, singles, believe in God for a husband or a wife thank you lord you spoke to them tonight you showed them the pathway now all the burdens are lifted any pressure anybody's feeling it's lifted now they're free they're just going to pursue you you're going to do a work in their hearts in their lives and when the time is there the gift of attraction the connection by the spirit of god happens it's going to be a wonderful thing lord thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you for tuning into my podcast i hope that you have been blessed i would like for you to consider two things number one subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.